Hello and welcome. Hi. It's Perhaps It's You, a non-official Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. We're back from our winter solstice hiatus. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, it was really great not podcasting. I'm not sure I even remember how to podcast anymore. No, we forgot and we just had a moment of silence for the nap we could be taking right now. The sacrifices we make to produce this show for unsolved mysteries for unsolved mysteries and And for for you you. our dear listeners you're welcome it's cold here in minnesota liz has the podcasting shawl on i do that gary friend of the pod gary uh dear listener knitted for us gary you should tell me if i should learn how to crochet or if i should learn how to knit i signed up for a crochet class through community ed at the end of the month but i'm wondering if i should learn how how to knit I mean, I can do both, I guess, but it yeah. really feels like I can only do one at a time. If you're signed up for the crochet class, you'll just start with crochet. I signed up for crochet because I at one point knew how to sort of crochet because my mom used to do it. And I, I feel like I know how to like make a, a, a chain, yeah. possibly two. Uh, and also, there's it's only one needle instead of the, yeah. the two. I feel like that's easier know. for my brain. I've never knitted before, but it seems harder than crochet. I would agree not knowing yeah i don't know either anyway it has nothing to do with this podcast or unsolved mysteries but i probably sound a little bit weird because i'm getting over a cold but so is everyone it seems yeah, like that's just sort of I'm too bad also it's gonna be it. a lot of talking i have not talked this much in one you know one stretch i feel like my voice has really been resting <laughs> the last couple of weeks well, you gotta take care of your instrument samantha it's true it's the money maker for yeah. podcast hosts like us exactly um, I want to try the cinnamon Kit Kat. Oh yes! Should we do snack time as Let's we do? do snack time. This is always finding a novelty Kit Kat. <laughs> I d- and she found more these, and more these sweet cinnamon Kit Kats. At where did you find this? This is just a Walgreens. These aren't even Japanese. These are just available to us, the unwashed oh. masses in the United States. But they were on. Cl- I went to go see what was on Christmas clearance. You know, to get some cheap chocolate, as you do. And I was like, how- I didn't even know this was a thing. How did I not know? This is delicious. I know. I, I kind of wish I had bought another bag because I've been eating a lot of these. They're really good. I love cinnamon and these are really good. They're just like normal Kit Kats, but with a little A hint zest. of cinnamon. Yeah. yeah. I'm a fan. So if you can find these on sale somewhere, pick them up. Maybe at your Walgreens. I don't know. Does Kit Kat give us any money? Of course not. No. We're fools. Now's the part where we just chew. <laughs> People mm. love mouth noises. I know that so about good. podcasting. Wow, this is going to be like... A transition. Get back into this. Do you do you even remember who Robert Stack is? Barely. Barely. Yeah. I think he had a threesome. Yeah, he did. With but the rest is all a blur. <laughs> Tre- I remember a trench coat. <laughs> of hazy memory. The fog. Who's there? An ugly tie. Oh, it's Robert Stack. Oh. He's going to get us back on track with our lives in 2020. Uh, <laughs> Good luck with that, Robert Stack. Yeah, this year has like, already been a shit show, which is impressive in a terrible way yeah so i hope our australian listeners are okay yeah i (sighs) we have listeners in australia i hope you're you're okay i am just sorry to everyone about the state of the world yeah my apologies for the imperialist overlords yeah we really fucking sucks yeah we have no, very little control over that here perhaps as you i know we seem like very powerful influential (laughs) media moguls but in reality we are two people sitting in a dining room and talking about unsolved mysteries it turns out no one we have very little influence very little influence over the way that the uh the world plays out i wanted to read a review from another show it's normal yeah well i 
So maybe sometimes I check out the reviews of the other Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> podcasts. Just see what's going on. Maybe, you know, yeah, maybe. Take the temperature of the other. Yeah. I mean, These our are fabulous Unsolved Mysteries shows that I we mean, love so much. Well, we demand only we we only accept five star reviews and that's worked out really well for us. So if you're starting a podcast, I recommend having a similar policy. Um, but I noticed this review <laughs> over on Mike and Josh's Mike podcast. and Josh's podcast uncovering, uncovering unexplained mysteries. <laughs> and I want to hear from the five if you think I'm vain <laughs> or if you think this review from Chris and Anok is about me. It's a very positive review of Mike and Josh's podcast, which Mike yes. and Josh's podcast is the, and an earned- OG Unsolved Mysteries podcast. They've earned lots of five-star they've reviews. They've been kind to us. We love their show. And this is a glowing review, but it's a glowing review of their podcast and maybe like an, an indictment of another Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> podcast you may have heard of. Which you're listening to right now. It didn't need to open with this paragraph. Like, it could have just gone into why uncovering unexplained mysteries is good. But instead, it opens with, sometimes you don't want a podcast to preach to you politically or otherwise. (laughs) Or or otherwise, be lectured, quote, intellectually. I love that intellectually is in quotes. By someone who has never really done anything. (laughs) Or be browbeat morally. Sometimes you want to just relax and enjoy. (laughs) This podcast is for you. And I just kind of was like, tag yourself. (laughs) I've never really done anything. I I think I'm, quote, intellectually, unquote. So... Is that vain that I saw that? And I was like, oh, that's us. That's got to be about us. <laughs> if you want an Unsolved Mysteries podcast that isn't, I don't know. What do they say? The browbeating you politically? Yeah, browbeat morally. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's, that, it's so amusing. I have to assume it's us. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're talking about something else, but I kind of really love it. I th- I'm going to assume it's us. Should we make merch that says never really done anything or be browbeat morally <laughs> on it? A shirt that just says never really done anything. Yeah, I would wear that every day. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Well, it's hilarious. Shout out to all of the other Unsolved Mysteries podcasts out there. You know what? You are doing much better than we are. I I think you you know more about Unsolved Mysteries than we do. Yeah. You take it way more seriously than we do. And I think you can be commended for that. Uh, Yeah. We're just making our own weird show. Yeah. We can only something and make what we want to make yeah and, and we all what Liz said <laughs> all we can do is browbeat people morally i That's, mean it's our brand i i do oh this has come up at least a couple other times but i do think it would be weird to talk about all these crimes and somehow not be political at all yeah. i don't even see how that's possible how do you talk about murder and sometimes like injustices and corrupt oh, police departments without Without talking about systemic issues or politics or the justice system. Like, I don't understand. These are unsolved mysteries, not mysteries that the police did a great job on. (laughs) These are mysteries where the police fucking dropped the ball and yet took a nap when they should have been working and didn't solve them. (laughs) So, I don't really see how you can be super nice about that. Yeah. But... I mean, don't brow. You're really browbeating our listeners right now. I guess. Here, I thought we were just like making like a fun, wacky thing, but but the poor. (laughs) We talk about the porpoise of justice. (laughs) 
But uh, I don't know. But then again, I've never really done anything. So I'm oh, same, same. All right. So where, what episode are we on here? Honestly, I don't even remember. It's in oh, season four. We're on season four, episode twenty. And we're on something twenty two, I believe. Oh, twenty two. I was gonna say twenty one. That was a total guess. Uh, we get to talk about <laughs> Noah's Ark. <laughs> I'm sorry. What Noah's Ark? Oh yeah, a classic. As Robert Stack would call it, a tantalizing mystery. Is it though? No, I don't know why he said that. I actually, because I'm not covering this one, I was so amused this was in here, and I was like texting Samantha, like you have to talk about Noah's Ark, like uh, because that was really the tone of the text. <laughs> it was very childish. Because I'm sorry, what? Uh, uh, Noah's Ark, the, a classic unsolved mystery. I was that is of Noah's Ark. Telling Samantha before we started that as a child. I had a lot of questions about Noah's Ark, and my religious grandparents were not amused. I mean, how do you not have questions about Noah's Ark? Like, who... So, if you have two of every animal, what do the meat eaters eat? Yeah, what are the lions eating? How are you keeping the lions away from the zebras? So, you bring two antelope, but the lions can't eat the antelope, so then what do they eat? Do you also have to bring a bunch of dead antelope? Was Noah Noah out there just slaughtering (laughs) all the other animals? Yeah. I mean, just what the they humans the hay for the horses. Okay, sometimes they had three animals, and then Noah and his family would go and kill the tastier <laughs> animals to eat them. Did they bring two of every bug? Even as a, even as a like, eight-year-old, I was like, there's no way that boat was fucking big enough. There's just no way. It, was, it that's a, has to be a huge-ass boat. Mac was saying that it, it was like a like one of those crappy zoos. Yeah, where the animals are just like, in the cage. You go and, and it's kind of sad. They look yeah. kind of sick. The cages are too clearly too small. But even that's, not, I don't think, going to fit two of every animal. And I was like, we're discovering new species all the time. How did Noah get to animals that weren't in his part of the world? Yeah. How did he even know some of these animals existed? Because we just found them. Yeah. Did he, did he bring every breed of dog? Yeah. Every Which, breed of cat? Every breed of horse? Did he bring a curly horse onto that ark? He was... Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> we we got him somehow. We, he wish he left those to drown. <laughs> but was he like, oh, this... We have this type of hissing cockroach, but not this type of hissing cockroach. <laughs> we gotta make sure they're all represented on my ark. Like, that's gonna take so long, just gathering all the animals. Yeah. Anyway, I think we debunked this mystery. Well, Noah's Ark is real. Case closed. So, this the segment opens with, yeah, Robert Stack calling this one of history's most tantalizing mysteries. I don't know what's tantalizing about this. I also this. really like the music that's playing. The like, I wrote down God music, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, <laughs> well, yeah, this is religion. Oh, <laughs> it's like, the heavens have opened. And yeah. It's the... Uh, <laughs> In my a home, chorus of angels. In my hometown of Wheaton, Illinois, there is a Billy Graham Bible Center. Guess what? Spoiler, never been there. <laughs> but I've heard tale that the last room is this like room that's painted to be like heaven and it just plays music like that. Okay. <laughs> in the room. Huh. Like it's a room covered, it's like blue and covered in clouds, and maybe it has a bunch of mirrors. I'm not sure. And then there's just like, oh, <laughs> I only okay. know this because obviously my friend went. It was kind of a gag, and then like left her driver's license there by accident, <laughs> and so they had to call her and she had to like 
be like they I, whatever that sounds like a whole thing i don't, don't do that what makes people think that heaven is like i don't know like you're literally laying on a cloud i mean probably because people used to have to like work grueling labor all day and so that seems like the best thing ever i suppose but now that sounds kind of boring yeah i don't just want to lay, lay on a cloud well, for a cherub is like playing a harp <laughs> and you're like do you know any of like do you know any good songs or you just know that <laughs> This is heaven. Oh. <laughs> but I, yeah, probably just like, you know, a farmer in a field was like, man, I really hope when I die, I can just lie down. <laughs> good and I don't have 12 kids. That's- like, that will be, oh man, heaven's going to be great. It's a great point. Yeah, so Robert Stack talks about how this is a, one of history's most important mysteries. And then he kind of goes into the history of the Noah's Ark legend and basically points out what a lot of people already know, which is that cultures around the world have like flood myths. I do think that's cool. Which is interesting. It's like how cultures around the world that have, you know, never had contact before had dragon myths. Like, yeah. Does that mean the dragons were real? Or I mean, what? yes. <laughs> I definitely watched something on PBS in the 90s about different cultures, dragon myths, and it made me go, oh, so dragons were real. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Thanks, PBS. So then he asked the question, was Noah's Ark an actual event? Was the Great Flood an actual event? Or is this just a moral parable that has been passed down from generation to generation? Uh, I have my opinion. At some point, he was like, some people think this is true. And then he just used the phrase, others disagree, which I just think is the greatest phrase for some reason. (laughs) You can just, like, make any bold declaration and then just go, no, others disagree. Others disagree. That's what, this is balanced reporting right here from Robert Stack. So here it is. According to the Bible, Mount Ararat is the area where Noah's Ark came to rest after the Great Storm. It's a desolate terrain rising above the headwaters of the Tigris River. In recent years, several expeditions have explored the Ararat Mountains. Incredibly, two separate teams believe that they may have found the Ark in two different locations, 17 miles apart. This is going to be the most boring mystery ever. All right. Is that a a chorus of angels in Liz's living room? Yes. All right. Let's just have it. (laughs) One of the sites is on Mount Ararat's northeast side under a permanent 23 square mile glacier. A Turkish businessman named George Hog. Hagobain, I swear I knew how to pronounce this earlier, said that when he was a young boy in 1906, he saw Noah's Ark wedged in a melted part of the glacier. He described the vessel to archaeological illustrator Alfred Lee. He said it looked like a long box. It was rectangular and the corners were kind of round. The sides sloped slightly. The roof, he says, was basically flat with just a slight pitch. Uh, blah, blah, blah. His, his uncle apparently hoisted him onto a ladder and he walked up to the roof. Uh, the illustrators, like, illustrations of this thing are shown on the screen. It's very much like what you saw in your child. Like, if you, I don't like know. Your board had, if you went to Bible school. Bible. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this picture, like, looked like. And, yeah, it's big in the illustration, but it still doesn't look like it's big enough to hold two of every animal. I don't know. Also, like, this is, there's more than one old boat. Yeah. But also... Even if this guy found this really old boat, like, wedged in a mountain, does that mean it's a Noah's Ark? I mean, this does sound like it's, like, on top of the mountain, which how would a boat get up there, especially about this size? But the other thing is, like, there's absolutely no fucking way that thousands and thousands of years after the supposed Great Flood, that, like, the Ark would still be that intact. 
Yeah. Like, the wood. It was pristine, according to this illustration. Like, wow. there's no fucking way. That's I guess it's, like, God. preserved in the glacier or whatever. I don't know. No, but that's it's God power. Oh, sure, sure. It was just God. That's the problem with any of these mysteries, is then it gets to a point where the explanation is just God. I suppose. That's true. Where you just go, uh, magic. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> True, true. So you're like, but wood would it's, it'd be broken down by the water and da 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 da. And then they're just like, uh, Noah? <laughs> Maybe you've heard of him? <laughs> two by two. Yeah, there's just no fucking way that this boat would still be up there. The other thing that I kept thinking this entire segment was climate change. Like, at this point, <laughs> climate change has melted away the fucking glacier i'm sure and i'm there's i doubt there's a boat underneath like we probably would have we probably could figure this out once and for all just by like looking at a satellite of the air at mountain at this point right oh did i look into it no but oh samantha you've been so brainwashed to believe in climate change you're right you're right what if i'm browbeating our listeners with climate climate (laughs) you had to make this thing about no it's our political Um, what if I had come back from the hiatus a, like, avid climate change denier? <laughs> Everything else about me was the same. <laughs> just, climate change is not real. And I was like, just because you can literally see glaciers melting <laughs> into the ocean doesn't mean that something's wrong. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, Think it's, about it's it. safe to say this podcast would change quite a bit. It would just be you. In that it would be over. <laughs> yeah. It would no longer exist. <laughs> we have major development. So 17 years later, Alfred Lee met Ed Davis, who in 1943 was stationed in Iran with the U.S. Army. According to Lee, Davis also said that he had seen the Ark as well. Um, this illustrator... I thought you saw the Ark. Wouldn't you show it to everybody? I would think so, but I think they just keep claiming that this is like a remote area i don't know how these people got there i don't know how this child got there but this story doesn't make a lot of sense they also kept saying that like they would see the ark and then like the next time they went the glacier had like covered it up again i don't know if it was like receding or like the snow was falling i have no fucking idea but for some reason the elements obscured it yeah god yeah, God. Ed Davis's sighting occurred in roughly the same area as George's. However, Davis said when he saw it, he thought what he thought was an arc, it had broken in two. And then we see the stupid illustration where it's like literally just the arc is split in half and like one half of it just ended up on the other side of the mountain. Also, it completely intact. It's just in half now. Yeah, because it's old. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not a new arc. Samantha, you were going to have to build that yourself. You're right. It's, you're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. So, Ed Davis described three decks inside and large cages. So, he can see inside the ark, right? Because it's broken half. So, there's oh, like cages. Uh-huh. There's a bottom deck. There's smaller cages because different size animals. Uh, Where are the cockroaches kept? <laughs> those cages are really small. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't see them from his vantage point. But I'm sure they were there. There was a venting system on the roof that had, like, many holes, which, how stinky would it be inside oh my that God. Can you imagine? No. So, uh, you could see, like, how the light and ventilation could, I don't know, go in the, the ship. Although, Cogabin, I can't pronounce this man's this name. This is probably from, like, some weird circus, or this is, like, a hoax. I think it's completely made up, but... Anyway, Davis and this guy weren't no, able to he pinpoint... No, saw cages, Samantha. Nobody could make that up. <laughs> <laughs> Are 
you're right. You're right. A perfectly inca- intact giant ship on a mountain with cages. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't pinpoint the exact location, their st- but their stories intrigued Do- a man named Don Shockey, an amateur archaeologist who but had nothing quite better the to do. Apparently not. Oh, I didn't draw that mustache. I think it was him that had the mustache. Maybe it was someone later. There was a big bushy mustache in this segment. You know what? I might not have been paying the greatest attention. <laughs> what? You don't really. You were not really invested in the mystery of Noah's Ark. I might have been too busy texting you, taunting that you had to do the Noah's Ark segment. Well, Don Shockey has something to say because he says, "I can't think of anything more exciting that I could be doing in my lifetime than having a small part in seeing this, whatever it is, verified." Oh, and we have sad. good reason to believe that there's something there, and we're we're going to prove something. it. Something, something, something. There's, there's an arc up there. Don Chucky launched an expedition to Mount Ararat after studying classified U.S. satellite photos. Wait, how did he get them? I don't know. Apparently, they weren't that classified. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Look, I don't know. Maybe he's also a super hacker. I have no fucking idea. Don said that for three days, he and his guides climbed up the mountain south side. Super hacker and arc <laughs> believer. That would be quite the dating profile. <laughs> oh, the Turkish government prevented them from traveling to the north side, so their Turkish guide continued on by himself. Uh, his name was Amit, and he crested Mount Ararat and started down the north slope. Oh, I think they didn't allow foreigners on that side. I think that's what Robert Stark that's said. Probably they wanted to keep it nice. Yeah, they were like, we heard Americans are huge litter bugs, so, so stay out. <laughs> the side of the mountain is not for you. At an elevation of nearly 16,000 feet, he spotted something half buried in the snow. From a distance of 300 yards, he took a photograph, which seemed to show the end of a rectangular object with a peaked roof. Which they show this photo in the segment, and you can't fucking tell what it is. You it's can't like tell how big anything is. It could be it's just it could literally just be a, a shack. Some it could be a shadow. It's extremely difficult to tell. It does look like a square something, but you can't tell how big it is. There's no scale. It's just a bunch of snow. I don't know. It's, you know it's not a yeti, but you don't know much more than that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not a, a yeti. I can say that for certain. Which can you imagine going on an expedition? Like this, up a mountain, and not looking for a Yeti. I mean, no. That's what a what waste you of time. should be looking for. <laughs> they did this all wrong. So, Ahmet came back, and they asked him if anything was showing, and he described it as a chicken coop um, that yeah, had a pointed you know, top. ark big enough <clears throat> to fit all animals, or chicken coop. <laughs> you know. Interchangeable. A really big chicken coop that floats. They had more than just chickens. Don Shockey believed that Ahmet... Oh my god, did he have all the different varieties of chickens in there? The did he have with the two fluffy feet? silky chickens? And then two... What were those? Point dots? I don't remember what they're called. I don't wine know. Wine dots? I wish you really speckled, know from chicken people. Speckled wine dots? Was Noah a chicken people? <laughs> Was Noah a chicken person? I kind of <laughs> doubt it. Kind of doubt it. Mac brought up this good point that the real mystery of Noah is why there's that one part where his son <laughs> finds him sleeping naked and has to cover him up. <laughs> why they bothered to put that in the Bible. And that's a great mystery. It is a really good mystery. The mystery is, like, why this guy? Yeah, why was he so great? Did yeah. God saved him? I have no idea. Even his son has to be like, oh, dad, <laughs> you got drunk and passed out nude. You're such an embarrassment. I mean, they didn't have much else to do. Yeah, it's true. But, but you, have to be, arcs. you have to be careful with around all those animals. You can't just get drunk and stumble into the tiger pen. <laughs> <laughs> 
What a fate. This is dangerous. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Dr. Jim Ebert says it certainly does not look natural. It looks very strikingly man-made. Oh, I think this Jim Ebert guy was the guy with the big mustache. They all really had mustaches, but his mustache was quite bushy. I clearly was not made <laughs> Anyway, he said it looked strikingly man-made, which I don't necessarily agree with. It's just square. Like, things in nature can be square. I guess. Have you seen those sea stars that are square because they're deformed? That sounds really sad. It is. Or that wombats poops have square poop. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, too. Things in nature can be square. (laughs) Wombats have square poop. I think you just debunked this mystery hard. (laughs) There there it is, folks. I was probably tweeting, I can't believe we have to talk about Noah's Ark when I should have been sketching a mustache. <laughs> All right. He says that uh, Shockey returned. So Shockey returned to Mount Ararat and studied the mountain from the air. Unfortunately, the site was now covered by snow. He stopped his search, but remains convinced that he might have found the resting place of Noah's Ark. Or a chicken coop. However, others like author and Ark researcher David Fassold disagreed. He said, we've been told for years that Noah's Ark is on top of Mount Ararat because that's what the Bible says. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Ark came to rest upon the mountains of Ararat. Mountains. Yes, the word is plural. Mountains of Ararat. And why does he think this? Well, he thinks it because he was a former merchant marine officer and merchant salvage expert. And he believes that the Ark is buried or was buried a full 17 miles south of Mount Ararat. Uh, He said that his team searched this site and discovered traces of iron, which don't appear to be natural deposits. How? People have lived in this area. Yeah, it could be from like anything. It could just be from a different ship, even. Yeah. There's nothing that says like, oh, we found the remnants of a super old ship. Therefore, it's Noah's Ark. They found the, the remains of an iron fitting or iron pin of sorts that are still there in the soil and they are still discernible. That doesn't mean that it was a the fucking Ark. People lived in this area. Other researchers have said basically that what he found was the remains of a Mongol settlement. Which that would be cool to find. Yeah, that seems like a cool discovery. Uh, it's not Noah's Ark. Anyway. So his team brought back one of the iron fittings. Uh, they said that they found like 5,000 of them. He said it's been cut in half by a diamond saw scanned by electron microscopes at Los Alamos National Laboratory. And this particular iron fitting is 94.84% man-made wrought iron. Okay. What does that prove? Nothing. (laughs) Looking at the mountain from above, the iron deposits form a distinct pattern of intersecting lines, lines which Fassel believes is the framework of the arc. He said that the boat's length is 515 feet and the width averages 85 feet, the same measurements recorded in the Bible. Again, not big enough. 515 feet by 85 feet to hold Two of every animal. You can't even get every type of dog on that boat. (laughs) Okay, do you think he brought amphibians, or was he just like, they'll make it in the flood? (laughs) Like, do you think he was out there getting newts? Or is he like, (laughs) you'll be okay. What about like a toad, though? Because they... Toads would have to go on the ark, for sure. I they don't really swim. No, they're in they're they're See, b- I tadpoles, could, but then they're they live their life I on feel land. Like he could have easily made some errors. <laughs> he wasn't a biologist. <laughs> See, out there getting nudes. 
These are the important questions we ask on this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Did were crocodiles allowed? Or did they Ugh, I would have left them <laughs> for sure. Fend for yourself. How crocodiles. did he make sure he got a crocodile and an alligator? Would he even have known those were two different things? Would he have known? I don't think he would have. These are important questions. <laughs> I don't know. Did he get two mosquitoes? <laughs> <laughs> this is why gra- did he leave the mosquitoes behind? This is why my grandparents got so annoyed with me. These are my <laughs> questions. <laughs> I was like, but what about animals with a really short lifespan? Did he get two mayflies? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just find it hilarious that the, these what about the news? <laughs> these grown ass people are like so determined that this is like word for word exactly what happened. Despite yeah. the fact that you could not possibly fit every animal in a 500 foot boat. No. That was ridiculous. Anyway. No. Some have suggested that David Fasshold found the remains of an ancient Mongol fort. Others say that it's a geological formation. However, the Turkish government has declared the mountain to be, or the mound to be the official site where Noah's Ark rests. Uh, Fasshold says that he's certain of his find. Oh, good for him. I'm not. Others disagree. That's what I'll say. That's what I'm going to say to everything from now on. Robert's- I have to disagree. I'm in others. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he says that he's 200% sure it's not a geological anomaly, that it's a man-made Think structure. Think how many types of monkeys would have to be on that boat. <laughs> that would be fun. That part was, would be fun. Was the, the boat tall enough to fit giraffes? Or do they have to just, like, stick their like, heads on the, the top, bo- like in a the convertible? Bo- in the board book, the, the giraffes are always sticking their heads out the windows. <laughs> you know it. You've seen that illustration. <laughs> it's true, I have. Uh, doesn't seem very comfortable for them. No, poor giraffes. And a rhino is probably, like, barging into its side. <laughs> Poking them with its horns. While that happens. Did they get every kind of rhino? Every kind of elephant? Yeah, that's why this boat is not big enough. <laughs> there are multiple types of elephants. Yeah. The stupidest mystery. And then a manatee is just, like, waving. <laughs> Like, they don't need to save me. <laughs> they have all that extra room because they don't have to put the whale sharks on the boat. Sure, but the orcas don't have to go on the boat. There's going to be hyenas and I don't know. wombats in their square poop. <laughs> what do you do with all the poop? You just got to throw it overboard, I guess. I guess. Or feed it to other animals. <laughs> You're feeding them poop? I don't know. I, guess- I don't know. <laughs> I don't think. Also, I, I don't think the story is true. The other thing we've not considered is how do they actually wrangle these animals? How do you get a tiger? They didn't have <laughs> dart guns. They just tackle a tiger. He just like went. How did you get a gorilla? Out two on the boat? cobras, and he was like, "All right, this is good. This yeah. won't be a problem." <laughs> how do you get the elephant? They don't just like come this way, Mister Elephant. Like, also, I think. Certain snakes, like, grow as big as their environment allows, and I, I don't know that you want them on your ark. No, you don't want the anaconda on your ark. It's going to get really big if this boat is big enough, <laughs> and then it's going to swallow you while you're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Those are true facts. True that's, facts. That's not something where you can say others true disagree. <laughs> anyway, Robert Stack asks, has one of mankind's greatest mysteries finally been solved on nope. a remote mountain range? <laughs> No, I don't think so, Robert Stack. Thanks for so. asking. I don't think so. Good question, but I don't. I think no. 
I still have so many more questions, but we should probably move on. We probably should stop just mentioning different <laughs> kinds of animals. And be like, I don't think this would work. <laughs> you know, I'm giving this a lot of thought. What about a panther? How many animals can you think of that's r- ridiculous <laughs> to think of them going and finding and putting on a boat? <laughs> With the capybaras. Yes. You know, if they had just saved the capybaras. I'm just in the boat was just one big hot tub with all the capybaras. <laughs> you just like look in the boat and it's they're not in cages. It's just like one big pile and they're all like sleeping together. I'm just like, oh, that's adorable. Like a little pile of mice. We're rewriting history right now. <laughs> uh, this is us just intellectually brown people. <laughs> We're clearly so smart. <laughs> clearly. All right. Our second mystery is more serious. This is the case. <laughs> you said Noah's Ark isn't serious, oh, Liz. I really think of it in like children's like pastel colors because of all <laughs> those books for kids. It's like, and then God killed everyone, but there was a rainbow. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is terrifying. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. I don't want to go on this smelly animal boat like Noah had to. Anyway. <laughs> Onto a serious mystery. Onto a serious mystery. The case of Tracy Wofford Bunn. So this goes back to April 1st, 1989. Not thousands and thousands of years ago, like the <laughs> Ark. A little more recent. She was a 26-year-old um, who had recently moved from Milwaukee to Baton Rouge. She was a, had divorced her husband of two years and had, like, kind of moved to start a new life. She um, seemed like a very... Like, vibrant person who her friends were describing her as, like, someone who was, like, always ready for the next thing. She could just, like, pick up and go. Yeah, so she lived in Milwaukee, and they said, you know, if she just wanted to go over to Minnesota and just hang out here, she would just get up and go. Which, I don't know, it seems like she had a really, like, go-getter spirit. Yeah, not like me at all. Yeah, I would just want to stay on my couch. (laughs) So she had moved there to start a new life with her sister, and she had gotten a job at a local restaurant and then later a new boyfriend. So the case revolves around um, April 1st. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. It's March 31st, becoming April 1st. Starting at 4.30 p.m., um, her boyfriend dropped her off at work, and then... Later, he's supposed to come pick her up, and he's driving with his cousin, but he's like, I don't know if he sucks at driving, or just the car wasn't in very good shape, but he breaks the gear shift, like, clean off. It, like, snaps. And some of mysteries does not paint this man in a, in a flattering light. <laughs> no. They kind of make him seem like a fumbling idiot. <laughs> and I don't know if that's fair or not. I don't know either, but they definitely paint him to be, like, her loser boyfriend. Yeah. Which, eh. That's a default position, I guess. (laughs) This missing woman had to lose her boyfriend. Um, So they end up just leaving the car by the side of the road and walking half a mile to the boyfriend's cousin's house. So around midnight, when Tracy is not being picked up from work, she calls her boyfriend and finds out, oh, that he broke her car and now (laughs) can't pick her up. So she has to leave work and walk to the, the cousin's house, which is about a mile away. So she gets there. She gets into an argument with her boyfriend because she let him in his car and he, like, immediately broke it. <laughs> um, and in, at least according to the reenactment, he was, like, not very apologetic about it. No. And he was like, all. you know how it always sticks in third gear? And she was like, yeah, because you do it wrong. And he's like, yeah, well, it broke off. 
And she's like, great, that's fabulous. Um, so she is, le- she leaves to go to the p- car, which is half a mile away. So the police believe that she arrived at the car at 1230 a.m. So they know that she makes it to the car because she gets the, c- the keys from the boyfriend. The keys are found in the car. So that's like the last known place that she w- was alive. By 2 a.m., a witness sees Tracy's car being driven into a parking lot. And then a few hours later, on the morning of April 1st, she is found dead in the car in the, the parking lot. So she had been re- sexually assaulted and strangled. There was no signs of a struggle, but her clothes were on kind of weird. And they said that they've seen this before. It's like if you dress a dead body like, the clothes aren't going to go, like, back on right. So they could tell that it was, like, kind of disordered in that way. There was no evidence of robbery. Her her purse and belongings were still in the car, so they thought that the crime was sexually motivated. Okay, so they believe that Tracy was killed sometime between her getting to the car at 12.30 a.m. and 1.30 a.m. They believe that her assailant forced himself into her car, and that's when he attacked and killed her. And that he, for some reason, moves the car from that location where it had was left when it was broken into this parking lot where it was later discovered. Um, also, at her autopsy, this is creepy. The medical examiner found these mysterious second-degree burns on her body. Yeah. That they couldn't figure out what they were from. And they're on, like, the top of her thighs. Like, if you're sitting, like, your lap. Yeah. And then, like, on her wrists. And they couldn't figure out what instrument had made those burns. It's disturbing. I don't know that that's ever solved either. No, and it's they didn't, very gross. They didn't mention it. Yeah. So that's terrible. Um, for a while, they're talking about that maybe this has something to do with drugs. And uh, I don't know. There's really nothing to suggest that it does. This is, doesn't seem like a drug-related homicide to me. No. She's not robbed. I don't think it's known that she did drugs. I think maybe they were sort of suspicious that the boyfriend was somehow involved in crime, but he's not even there, and no. I don't know that... And maybe like, he did do drugs, but there's no evidence that's connected to the crime whatsoever. No, I, that just seems, like, racially motivated to say that. Um, so her boyfriend and the cousin were given polygraphs and were cleared of suspicion, which polygraphs are suspect but there's also really no reason to think that they did it because they wouldn't need her walking back to her car alone to attack her right that sort of doesn't make any sense yeah she knew them and was in that house like they could have attacked her at any time yeah it doesn't make any sense yeah it doesn't make any sense so there's really no reason to think that it was them and for some reason they like look into this one local drug dealer but there's not they, like, say, like, regretfully, oh, there's not enough evidence to connect him. It's like, well, maybe it's not him. <laughs> maybe the reason there's no evidence is because that you just, like, made that up. Yeah. Like, oh, it would be convenient if this drug dealer was also a murderer. But, yeah, so that was it. And then the, the results come back. This took 18 years. In August of 2005, DNA that was found on her body was eventually linked to convicted rapist Freddie McKinley. Um, But he had died in 2002 while serving time for an unrelated crime. So the case is considered closed. That doesn't explain the burns. No. Or why the car was moved or some of the more, like, mysterious elements. It's just a really sad story. She seemed like a cool person. and Yeah. It's one of those random crimes that everybody thinks is going to happen to them. 
Yeah. But probably isn't. Probably isn't. Poor Tracy. Poor Tracy. That's a sad one. Um, I don't remember who was talking about her. I think this was her ex-husband. He had a very trim okay, mustache okay. that I called Mr. Style. That was that was stylish. He clearly like had a very cultivated look, mm-hmm. and the mustache was part of that look. Did the main investigator have a little mustache yes, too? He did too. I called that the well-meaning. Nice, <laughs> nice. It did seem like he felt bad for Tracy's family, and he wanted to solve the case. But I feel like him looking at this drug dealing connection has nothing to do with anything. Was I? They probably just didn't really have any leads to go on. But it seems like a big waste of time. Yeah. Um, so that's why he's the well-meaning. Okay, I like it. All right, <laughs> All right now, somewhat making up for the, the Noah's Ark mystery. Yes, you uh, get a lost a, love. I get a lost love. I love Just a lost love. Just for you. This is a pretty good one, too. 1941, 16-month-old uh, Dolores Strat and her older brothers Donald and Walter and Richard were taken in by their aunt after their parents were unable to care for them. Their mother, Velma, was unable to work and was pregnant with her fifth child. Their father um, had been institutionalized after he had what Robert Stack calls a, quote, mental breakdown. Uh, we're not really given the full story of what happened with their family, but it seemed like the, the mother wasn't able to work and then the father wasn't in the picture, so she couldn't feed them. There was a lot of children. And so her aunt took them and her aunt or her sister took them, their aunt, and she seems remarkably unsympathetic in the reenactment. Yeah, it's just cruel, really. It seems like the aunt called... So their aunt called the Child Welfare Department, who arrived and took all of the siblings away. The reenactment is really sad. Uh, the aunt's, like, shouting at the children that they're going to go to a better home. Uh, that's it's terrible. Like, I don't understand the solution. So the family doesn't have enough food to feed the children because of... Circumstances. Circumstances. Why not just, like, give them food? It seems like the resources that it would require to, like, split them up, put them in foster care or into these institutions, and then find them homes could be spent just providing them with the resources they need to stay together. And then they're not... You don't traumatize an entire family? I don't know. It's so frustrating to watch, and it doesn't even, like, impact me. And so, like, this is not... The way to fix this problem. No, it doesn't make sense at all. So the two older brothers were sent to Iowa State Youth Facilities, while Donald and Dolores were taken to a Lutheran's children's home, where they were taken in by the head nurse. I don't really understand how this children's home worked. It seems like it was just the nurse and the two children, but... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Just this one nurse who's a bitch. Yeah. Was like, oh, just watch these two. And I don't... Yeah, was it just, like, the place was over full, so they were at her house, or who knows? I don't know. So it's not super clear to me how old Donald is at this point. I think he might be, like, somewhere between six and eight. Yeah. His, his, uh... Uh, sister is 16 months old, so she's a little she's a little one. Um, but Donald, despite his age, is pretty astute, and he pretty quickly realizes that he and his siblings would not be going back to their mother, and that they would probably be separated. So while he's there with the nurse, he tries to escape any opportunity he has. One day, while the nurse was not paying attention to them, he took Dolores out to the Model A Ford that was parked in the driveway, this and he hilarious. was like, we're getting the fuck out of Dodge, and he puts his 
sister in the front seat and then he is so small he can't he doesn't know how to drive a car but he knows you push the pedal at the at the, right. on the floor to make it go but he can't reach the pedal so he would like get down on the floor push the pedal with his hand go the car would go like a few inches and then he would get back up in the seat <laughs> and then he would go back down on the floor and push it up some he more has to, like look where the car is going yeah. crawl down push, the, push pedal, the pedal get back up go like okay push the pedal <laughs> it's just the car is inching along well of course the nurse notices that the kids are not there and the car is slowly moving down <laughs> the driveway slowly and he was like i was just trying to get it to the road i didn't know which way to go when but i got I was to the road the fuck out of there <laughs> i i appreciate this kid I he's got tenacity he really does and it's very it's also sad but it's also pretty adorable so the nurse obviously catches him and punishes him and it's horrible it's like, you could have killed someone blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> Two weeks later, Dolores like, well, you basically kidnapped these children. Yeah, why are you surprised they want to leave? They want to escape. They're like, we'd like to see our mom, please. And she's like, you're the worst children ever. I know it's horrible. So two weeks later, Dolores was adopted, but Donald was not. And in the reenactment, they like trick Donald into leaving the room, and then they just like take his sister away. Yeah, they like offer him ice cream or something. Yeah, it's really sad. So, however, Dolores' adoptive parents soon asked for Donald to come help them because she was not settling in. She would just scream and cry because she was suddenly separated from her brother. She's gone through this horrible ordeal where she was separated from her parents. And they're like, hey, child, why don't you come here so you can get her to shut up? And as soon as she settles in, we'll send you back to the Lutheran home. Parenting in the past was wild. This is so cruel. They make Donald... He knows he's there just to make his sister calm down. Yeah. And they don't actually want him, like, interacting with their, their family. So he comes, he, like, settles her down, and then he has to... He stays there for a couple days. And he's he like, has to just, like, sit in the corner <laughs> while they're, like bonding with his sister through a child welfare agency like they thought this was for the best (laughs) they're like this is how we help we traumatize this child forever we traumatize him more yeah so once like his sister starts to bond with the family he says that he's he thought they were nice that they were kind to her and that they were really yeah they were nice for people that made another child just sit in the (laughs) corner and do work for them Horrible. Well, they're probably, like, slipping brandy into her milk so she doesn't <laughs> cry so much. So, the nurse comes back and takes him back to the home. He later, uh, he, I don't, does it, did they ever say if he was adopted? I don't remember I feel like saying we that, just actually. suddenly jump forward in yeah. time. So, I don't actually know what happened. I assume he was adopted. Anyway, um, as an adult, he began searching for his family. In 1965, he was reunited with his two brothers, his sister... The one that his mother was pregnant with when they were taken away. And he was also reunited with his mother, Velma. Sadly, their father passed away while he was still institutionalized. Velma remarried, though, and had five more children. So there was nine children total. Uh, however, That's a lot of children. Velma and her nine children have been unable to locate Dolores. They were still searching for her at the time of the broadcast. The result is that this was solved. Dolores Strat was renamed Penelope Sue Lewis, and she was watching the Unsolved Mysteries segment... This is so amazing. was put into contact with Donald. She basically said that she never wanted to miss an Unsolved Mysteries because she loved watching the reunions and thought that one day maybe it would be her. Mm. And then one day it was! Mm. I 
love this story. So three days later, on May 2nd, 1992, she was reunited with Donald along with their mother, Velma, and their other siblings, half-siblings, and other family members. There was a huge fucking reunion at, like, an RV park, and it's... It's very sweet. It's heartwarming. It brought a tear to my eye. But the fashion? Okay. You want to call it that? Her and Donald are wearing, they have not seen each other in all of these decades. They are wearing the exact same color shirt. <laughs> yes. Is that a coincidence? They're wearing the exact same shade of blue shirt. Yeah. It's like a, a unique shade of blue, too. How are they both wearing that? I, I guess they just, I don't know, are in the same wavelength or something. That's amazing to me. It is amazing to me. And the other thing, when you watch this segment, it's fun to just, like, look in the background. <laughs> I don't know, you could have, like, a bingo card of ni- early 90s fashion yeah. and just, like, tick them off. It's like, there's some leg warmers. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a ski sweater. There's some mullet. There's a man with a mullet, and he has, like, an open button shirt with no undershirt on, and, like, the Samantha's in chest love. hair poking out. <laughs> There's so many... Ch- but the other thing is... So that's hilarious. But it's also very sweet because suddenly Dolores has this huge family that's yeah. like all there to welcome her back into the family. I don't know. It was very touching. Um, sadly, their mother Velma passed away in, ni- in 1997, but they did have a few years with her. Um, or Dolores had a few years with her. Their half-sister, Edith, has also since passed away. Most of Dolores' siblings have passed away. The youngest sister, Jean, who was born after the family was separated, um, has passed, including her sister, Sally, and her half-brothers, Dale, Wayne, Edward, um, and Donald Strat himself died in July 2018. Hmm. Um, but this was a really, it's I don't know, really it was a, sweet. a really sweet he segment. He clearly loved his sister so much. He wanted to find her. He said he would just, like, randomly cry just thinking about it, and at their reunion, he's like, I'm not gonna cry because I'm already crying. Oh. It was so sweet. Uh, yeah. I just I, wish everyone in there the best. I know. I really like they're the, the story. They're the greatest. It's really too bad that they were separated at all, but they yeah. found each other in the end. I just can't imagine sitting down to watch Unsolved Mysteries and then it being about you. Yeah, that's wild. That's so great. And plus, she would tune in to Unsolved Mysteries just because she loved The Lost Loves and yeah. was hoping that one day it would be her story on A Lost Love. And then it was. Hmm. I love it. Adorable. So much. Okay, we have one more. This is the case of Colleen Reed. This is unusual. Mm-hmm. So we get this sort of from the perspective of the witnesses. Um, this is taking place December 29th, 1991. So that evening, around 9 p.m., this guy with a gray mustache, Steve Marks, is on his way to meet his two brothers-in-laws at a friend's house in Austin, Texas. So in the reenactment, we see the three of them like hanging out on the porch, talking about like what they could have for dinner. Sp- and they were going back to someone's house for spaghetti. Someone was like, "Well, we could go to my house and make spaghetti." <laughs> Just sort of like you didn't plan that. All right, dudes don't to, plan. You have to meet at a friend's house to discuss the possibility of meeting making spaghetti. But whatever, <laughs> they're having just a very casual conversation outside, and they hear a horrible scream. A horrible scream. Yeah, and less than a block away is this DIY car wash, and I don't know if this is something that they have in other countries, but. In the United States, sometimes there's just, like, places where you can wash your car and it has hoses and stuff. 
Yeah. I don't know if that's like a thing everywhere. Because <laughs> as, as I was like watching this, I was like, is this hard to explain or? I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing everywhere. <laughs> I don't they're, know either. They're not really common here because right. you have, because it's cold in the winter. So you wouldn't like be able to operate them really half of the year. Right. I mean, car washes do operate, but they're like pretty, usually the automatic ones or there's some places that will like wash your car for you. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So that's what's a block away, where they hear the scream come from. And as they had been driving earlier in the evening, as slightly earlier in the evening, as they'd been pulling up at this friend's house, they had seen another car going the wrong way down a one-way street and had been kind of like, guys, get out of the way. Right. And it had been these two men in a tan car. And they see that same car peel off from the DIY car wash the same people that they saw earlier now are, like, peeling out mm-hmm. after this horrible scream. So they run down to the car wash, and they find that there is a abandoned vehicle. And so that's when they decide to call the police. The, the, apparently, the car wash usually would have a bunch of people, like, hanging out and washing their cars, but there was nobody else there. And they found an abandoned Mazda MX-5 whatever that is, um, that was, like, half-washed. It was, like, still covered in soap. And um, and they looked inside, and there was keys in a purse just, like, sitting on the passenger seat. So they, um, that's when they had called the police. The, the owner of the car was identified as 28-year-old Colleen Reed. Sorry. And she was a certified public accountant who had lived in Austin for four years. Um, the police traced her movements earlier that day. She had gone to church with her boyfriend. She had spent several hours doing volunteer work. Of course. Of course. It's so sad. She had gone to the market and withdrawn some cash from the bank machine. And she arrived at the car wash around 9-10. So it seems like she was kidnapped by two men in the tan-colored car. So this... I don't remember if this was unexplained or a wanted, but basically the hope was, like, someone needs to come forward. Oh, it's a missing person. Someone needs to come forward, and, like, hopefully there's another witness. Like, hopefully someone has more information. Unfortunately, um, this is solved, but it's, like, too little, too late. Um, in April of... Ni- this is from Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Uh, in April of 1992, uh, Alva Hank Worley was arrested in Belton, Texas. He quickly admitted to his involvement in the kidnapping, but claimed that the last time he saw Colleen, she was alive. The other man involved in the abduction was identified as serial killer Kenneth, Kenneth Allen McDuff who I've never heard of, and he was previously convicted of three murders, but had been released in 1989. He owned a 1985 Ford Thunderbird, similar to the one described by witnesses. His hairs were found in the car's backseat, and the trunk were similar to hairs. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hairs found in the car's backseat and trunk were similar to Colleen's. One of the witnesses also identified him as one of the abductors. Worley pled guilty to the abduction and was sentenced to 40 years in prison. He was denied parole several times. He will next be eligible in 2021. In May 1992, McDuff was arrested and charged with Colleen's kidnapping, rape, and murder. In January of 94, he was tried and convicted of the charges. However, at the time, her body had not been found. Shortly before his execution in November of 1998, he led the police to her body located on the banks of the Brazos River, just outside Marlin, Texas. Her remains were identified through dental records. 
That's really sad. That's really, really sad and awful. And the reenactment is, is it's scary. scary. It's honestly scary. The scream is horrible. I'm sure the men that overheard that never forgot it. I'm oh, sure that's no, probably terrible not. for them, too, because they were right there, and I'm sure they would have done something if they could have, but they're, like, just far enough away that, that they couldn't quite make it in time. Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. fucking awful. Yeah. That's... I don't have anything witty to say about that. It's just terrible. It's, it's just, a tragedy. It's, it's bad. Yeah. It's so, bad. We hate it. Um... At the end of this episode, there's like a teaser for the next episode where we're all about psychopaths. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the mysteries of the psychopath. I'm sure that'll be totally on the up and up. I'm sure it's aged really well. Um, So yeah, let's rate this. This is a mixed bag if there ever was one. Yeah, mysteriousness. How mysterious is I mean, I guess the, the mystery last, of Noah's Ark? I guess my two were kind of mysterious. Yeah, A Lost Love is never super mysterious. I'm gonna really. give it a sideways. So, probably a sideways. Are you saying that Noah's Ark isn't history's most tantalizing mystery? No, I never would have <laughs> phrased it like that. Despite all my questions, I never would have phrased it as tantalizing. Yeah, we did have a lot of questions. Does that make it mysterious? I guess maybe no, it, it's it sideways, not. but it's like, uh, your thumb's like starting to go up just a little bit. <laughs> just the, a hair. Because it's that, and that hair is, did he get newts? Did he, did he round up all the newts? Just two newts, actually. Two, did, well, did, but I'm sure there's different types of newts. That's, you're right. <laughs> what about those little axolotls? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, the he, little, I guess those live underwater. They're probably fine. They were probably fine in the flood. <laughs> They're probably fine. All right. Um... What yeah. about in my friend's basement? There used to be these bugs that were like spiders on the front, but grasshoppers on the back, and we called what them the fuck. We called them spider hoppers. Gross! I never want to picture that ever. That's horrible. Why would you? They could like lunge right at your face. What? Yeah, and I've never seen them anywhere else than in this one basement. Does he have a, a hazardous waste <laughs> spill in his basement? They produce these monster creatures? <laughs> Did he get the spider hoppers? <laughs> oh my god, I hope not. They no. live with fire. They lived somehow. What? This is not a thing. <laughs> I feel that way every so often uh, living here now. There's just like slightly different bugs than there are <laughs> where I'm from. So every so often I'm like, that's not a thing. I've never <laughs> seen that before in my life. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> But also an advantage of living somewhere where you get horrible cold winters that does kind of kill off all the bugs. Yeah, so. most of them die. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so we're not living with spider hoppers. Oh my god. I never want to think about a spider hopper again <laughs> in my life. It's horrifying. Did not get the spider <laughs> Lunge at your face. That's a nightmare. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Okay. Um, I'm surprised you survived. Okay, uh, mysteriousness reenactments. Actually, I want to say good, mostly for the last case, though. They're, the reenactments are pretty good. The, they get those ki- child actors they got for yeah. The Lost Love, that little boy very killed it. Endearing. And yeah. The reenactment of him inching the Model A along. <laughs> That's classic. Pretty amazing. That's really good. So yeah, thumbs up for reenactments. Thumbs up. Um, fashion. fashion. I'm going to give it a thumbs up just for The Lost Love alone. That's like a time yeah. capsule. That one yeah. reunion is like a time capsule. It's everything you want and more. It really is. Um, but and you can see some old-timey... They did some, like, very traditional Bible fashion in the, like, brief reenactment of them bringing, like, two sheep on board a boat. 
two sheep, two deer. I forget what else. I, they did have lions. We didn't mention that. They did, have, they did have two lions for that reenactment. A boy and a girl, of course. Yeah. Well, God, there'd be so many animals boning on that ship. Aren't there some animals that like need more than just two to reproduce? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Do you think he had ducks on there? Or were they they were just gonna ducks float? Ducks are probably up pretty float. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just floated behind the ark. Yeah. I don't fucking know. This podcast has devolved. We just, how many animals? Every single animal. I need, I I need some very dedicated listener to count up all the animals we mentioned in this. Like, did he have to save the hairless cats? <laughs> some of these breeds may have post-dated. The, you know, like, there wasn't oh, a pug sure. on the ark. <laughs> he didn't have two pugs. <laughs> that would have made the ark cuter, though. <laughs> so, the camels... Do yeah. you have the, the, the different varieties of humps for the different camel? <laughs> the different types of camel? Did he have the two-toed sloth and the three-toed sloth? I guess. That would be like the easiest animal to put on They're there. They're pretty slow. Yeah, they may not fight back. <laughs> They're not like a gorilla. You have to come out and get a gorilla <laughs> on the ark. How did he get the gorilla on the ark? I, I don't know. It's when you get a silverback gorilla on that thing? You tear your face off. This episode is just animals. <laughs> Listen, Samantha, have heard of. <laughs> wow. Uh, did we rate everything? Oh, Robert Stack. Uh, How Robert did he Stack. do? Um, fine. He was fine. I guess. If you want to look at his face while you hear God music, then this is the episode <laughs> for you. It probably is for some oh. people. Liz has such an angelic voice. <laughs> yeah, I've been told that many a time. Uh, okay. I certainly didn't have an old bitty tell me the other day that my voice really carries. <laughs> Just like a slap in the face. But um, what's funny about that is that she asked if I could talk quieter and I said no. <laughs> no! Anyway. You're my hero. Uh, we have to rate it on a scale of, of zero to five Robert's deck. Three... I think this is a solid three. The last love was nice. Yeah, the the tomb. Um, the art thing prime. was dumb. Yeah, I, I feel weird talking about the arc and then a woman that was brutally, brutally murdered. murdered. Two women that were brutally murdered. Yeah, which I guess is just how unsolved mysteries is. That's like its whole deal. But <laughs> I kind of don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's not really. Maybe I should really bring the seriousness that's warranted. I mean, I'm just trying to browbeat people morally, and I feel like it's getting in the way of my political agenda. Yeah. I, I feel like it's very average. I think three is very run of the mill. Three solid. is solid. I wish we had come back to something a little bit more spectacular, but <laughs> such is the nature of the rewatch podcast. We can only we only we, we can only we follow get we get. The, the episodes. Yeah. You know, yeah. We what if we had to make our own? Oh my god, can you imagine? So much work. We no. probably just wouldn't. All of our mysteries would be like, how many naps can I take in one day? <laughs> Let's find out. How many animals can I think of? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, capybara. Uh, <laughs> dolphin. Oh, the uh, dolphins are fine. Dog. But yeah. the different kinds of dogs. <laughs> yeah. So big dogs, little dogs. Do you think he had bats on there? I mean, he must have. Man. Did he, did he get every kind of bat? He had, like, fruit bats just hanging from the, the eaves yeah, of, the, probably. of the ark. Huh. This is what I'm going to be thinking about all day, everyone. <laughs> um, alright. So we, we we rated that. We reached the end. I guess we have to recommend something now. Did you come up with something? No. I, I sure didn't. sort of didn't either. But I'm going to ask our fine listeners 
to recommend a TV show for me to watch because I feel like I really need that in my life right now. I need what a are new you feeling. Like that's a very broad. Like, okay. Like, do you sure. want another police procedural? Yeah. Like nonfiction. Ideally, do you want fiction? I would like a fictional show where crimes are solved. Okay. And if that is available on some sort of streaming service where I could, you know, just stay in my house and in my pajamas and not talk to anyone. And, and you want something you've never watched before? Yeah. So, like, so Law & Order is pretty out. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything. You watched that Don't Fuck With Cats documentary, right? Yes, I did. I watched that, too. So, I didn't... Did you, like, know what that was before you started watching it? I knew... The, so, I've listened to at least one podcast, true crime podcast, about Luca Magnata, but I... Did not know anything about this internet sleuthing. And I feel like I didn't know that he killed cats, but maybe I just, it's just been a while since I've sure I, I listened to that podcast because I haven't consumed a lot of true crime lately. Uh, but yeah, the internet part was totally new to me. I think I heard about the the him mailing limbs to the parliament, yes. but I don't think I had heard. And that. I heard about him like recording the snuff film, Ugh. you know. Like, so I, I that part of it I knew, but I um I think I just happened to turn on Netflix the day they released that, and so they had like a like banner type of already playing thing, and I was drawing up the coloring sheet for last month which was jazz loon and i was like oh, i just need something on while i to watch right to-. and so i was like oh this looks kind of interesting so i ended up watching that i don't remember how many parts it was but i watched it all that night and what was so annoying to me about it is at the end it's like and what about you yeah it's watching this show yell at you for watching the documentary and i was like i didn't even know what this was <laughs> when i turned it on and now you're yelling at me for watching it because I think it's this cop-out on the part of the people who made it that that Luca Minotta really wanted to be famous. And here they are making this documentary about him. So they're kind of, like, giving him what he wants after he committed these horrible crimes. Right. right? So to, like, not deal with that ethical dilemma, they immediately... They bring everybody else into it. They immediately were like, and you, the real villain. I was like, (laughs) what? No, I'm just sitting here. I'm not responsible for this at all. Yeah. So that was a little annoying. But otherwise, I mean, it's a wild ride. It is a wild ride. It's, you do have some footage from his snuff film and his killing cats thing. You don't see the worst part of it. You don't see the worst part of it. you see some of it. But you see some of it. You see some, the, uh, the eyes of some very scared cats, which will haunt me forever. Yeah. So I think... On the internet, you can find, like, the times that people recommend you skip if you don't want to see any of that. Okay. I I watched all of it, but I did look away Yeah, a few times. It's disturbing. Because it is quite disturbing. I don't fully appreciate the way some people have talked about this documentary, and they've been very concerned about the cat footage that's in here. And... But he also kills a human. <laughs> he, yes, he also so, filmed the death of a human. Let's also remember the human. Yes. Uh, this Chinese student that just got tricked into coming to his apartment. I know. It's and so fucking sad. It's really sad. And they interview his friend who was like, everyone remembers Luca Magnata. Nobody even knows yeah. The name of Do his I victim. know his name? No, I don't. Part of the problem right now. Right. So. Very it's, sad. It's really sad. And I don't know. 
a bit of an indictment on true crime culture, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not, that part of it's, I don't think, done super well, but you can, it's right. kind of plain to see. Right. So, yeah. Did you have a recommendation for us? Not really. I swear, so I Your took- recommendation is, if you're going to watch Don't Fuck With Cats, look up those timestamps. Yeah, look up those timestamps, and then that's, maybe you can- That's a quality recommendation. Skip through it. You won't see a dead body. Part of is, the snuff film. Yeah, it is blurred out, but you can clearly see- It's disturbing. What's there. It's pretty disturbing. You also see someone watching one of the cat videos, and you see yeah. her reaction to it, which is yeah. almost just as bad as watching it. Like, it brought a tear to my eye. Uh, so yeah, well, that- because, I don't know that that- I think that woman said she had never watched the whole thing. I mean, why would she? No, yeah, So why? they, like, made her do it. Yeah. It's kind of disgusting. It's really horrible. So I'm sure that's gonna, like- Haunt that person now. Yeah. Um, no, all I've been doing for like the last three or four weeks is just watching the Great British Baking Show, which I had never watched until my holiday. So soothing. My holiday break. And I fucking love any cooking show that's not in America. I know. They're all better, right? They're all better. Travis and I love to watch, I think I probably mentioned this in the show before, the Australian version of MasterChef, which is just like so much better than the American ones. The American ones are always way too dramatized they play up like the drama between the contestants they're clearly staged like you don't get to actually see like even though i do think they're talented chefs and things like that um it's it doesn't feel as authentic as like ones that yeah. are made in other countries i don't know why so i don't know why i had never watched great british baking show but i did over the christmas holiday and i watched a lot of it so that's not a recommendation because like everyone's watched it but that's why I don't have a recommendation, because I haven't Look, been consuming been anything new. You've been busy yeah, trying to figure out how all these animals were on the ark. Exactly. Because you're very dedicated to this exactly. podcast. All right. I think that wraps it up for I think today. It, it wraps it up. Thanks for being patient while we took some time off. Um, I hope you enjoyed our, our this episode. Maybe you didn't enjoy the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, but... Did we make it better? Did we make it worse? I don't know. Five-star reviews only. <laughs> Um, that's right. Give us a five-star review. Yeah, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That would be great. We are wrapping up this season, which means we need your stories of paranormal phenomena that have happened to you. please send them to us. Someone in our our Facebook group was worried that, like, their story would be too silly, and that is not going to happen. I guarantee there is nothing you could send us that is sillier than the haunted drain. And that was in a fucking book. Yeah. So, I guarantee your stories are great, and we want to hear them. Even if your story is part of the extremely wholesome Minnesota ghost story tradition, which, yes, involves pigs and swine barns, (laughs) birds just flying around, (laughs) and haunted drains, we still want to hear that story. Yeah, we we love those stories, so please send them in. Um, That is perhapsitsyoupodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit perhapsitsyou.com. There's a contact form on our website. Um, You can join our Facebook group that is... On a, something unofficial, official Unsolved Mysteries podcast. It's the only one. You Every can also, time I look at the number of people in that, I'm like, there's as many people in this group? It's amazing to me. That is amazing. It's nice to interact with you there. Uh, you can also like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Instagram, uh, our not very active Instagram. You can follow <laughs> essentially Liz on Twitter. You can perhaps yell at you. people on Twitter. It's pretty great. If you have a few extra dollars and you want to throw them our way to get some cool shit, it's perhaps it's patreon.com slash perhaps it's you 
We've been doing some X-Files content mm-hmm. recently. I don't know that we're fully committed to what we're going to do this month. So we're not. If you have recommendations or a, suggestions. That'll be a mystery as well. Requests, let us know. We have some ideas, but we haven't settled on anything. Yeah. Um, I think that's everything we have I to I think that's everything. Plug. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hang in there in 2020. Five yeah. listeners. Go solve some mysteries. Bye. Bye.